0: I'm Anushka Dukas and I've been designing jewellery for 30 years and collecting charms for as long as I can remember. In this new podcast I'll be asking a series of extraordinary women to tell me their life story in Seven Charms. Today I'm meeting Kit Kemp, MBE, co-founder and creative director of Firmdale Hotels. Lots of hotels before we came along wanted to have
1: design that had what I would call high-heeled shoes which is rather worried about offending someone and there's something actually almost forgettable about really good taste. Sometimes (laughs) you should have a bit of bad taste you should just go
0: for it. For me there are so few things that can stand the test of time and evoke a memory like a tiny detailed charm. A very special 18 karat gold biography. Welcome to my new podcast, My Life in Seven Charms. So today I'm outside the Ham Yard Hotel. It's such a peaceful spot, I've completely forgotten what a kind of tranquil place this is. Just a few minutes walk from Piccadilly. I'm really looking forward to meeting Kit and hearing about how she and her husband and co-founder Tim reinvented and reimagined what we now know as the boutique hotel. It's my great pleasure to welcome Kit to My Life in Seven Chance. Thank you. What I was so struck by when I came in again today was just the warmth and the kind of welcome. Because I actually think, from my own experience, hotels, kind of corporate hotels, are quite intimidating. And they're a bit hush-hush and you're kind of worried that someone's going to watch you approaching reception
1: and well actually it's when you approach a reception and then they all turn around and go the other way that's the thing I'm I'm actually quite shy about going into for example a gallery or anywhere where there's a a velvet rope and um, I love art and I love craft but I wanted it to be viewed in such a way that it felt like your own home not completely white walls and a gallery feel um, and actually, I feel the same way as you do. I, fi- I find lots of hotels very, very co- corporate and not welcoming. And I wanted this to feel more like a home rather than a hotel. Well, you've done it so well.
0: It's absolutely gorgeous. Right. I think we should um, talk about your life in Seven Charms. So, Charm One's an aeroplane. Mm. So for me, I'm absolutely obsessed with making things as perfect and working as possible in in miniature. And I think that is the charm of charms. So um, I see this um, as three-dimensional. I see it as a locket. I think um, you should be able to, the pilot should be able to climb in like he did in the um, cockpit. Cockpit, thank you. (laughs) Um, I see it in yellow gold, um, spinning propellers that really spin. I think it should have a little jump seat in it somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think it should have a beautiful rock crystal window uh, so, you, so you can see out. Dark pink sapphires or maybe rhodolite garnets. Um, and then on the wings, yellow are the yellow diamonds or yellow sapphires. Well, the, the extraordinary thing was—I mean, I never thought about it in the
1: uh, before—but my father was mad about aeroplanes, and, and he designed them with um, uh, for Folland aircraft for someone called Petter, who, who I think he designed the Nat, which is mm-hmm. probably one of the forerunners to the Red Arrows. I'm, I'm forgive me if I'm wrong because I know so little about aeroplanes, but what it meant was that at home we even had. Different with aeroplanes on them, <laughs> which is very boyish, but I was a tomboy. And they were the most glorious things because they weren't jumbo jets. They were these incredible bright yellow, chrome yellow, cardinal reds. Even the, even the camouflage was green and yellow and, and brown, oh. but flashy. And they looked like a craft that could go to the moon. They looked like sleek pieces of engineering. So I think, in a sense, that they almost look like sculptures to me.
0: Just, just talking a bit about your memories of your father and your childhood. Well, well, how were you brought up, and how how did you? I'm just fascinated. I, I had two
1: elder brothers, so I, I loved my brothers. Um, and uh, my mother worked for the BBC, but um, I used—I was a complete router. I used to go round and and delve into. it. We, we had sort of tall boys or great big sort of mahogany chests of drawers. And I used to love pulling them open and hauling out loads of fabrics and bits and pieces that my mother had bought and never made into anything. She loved buying all these things, but at the end of the day, never had time to sit down at a sewing machine. Um, And um, I I wasn't very tidy, but I was a whiz on that old machine, and nothing could stop me. In a sense.
0: <laughs> so, were you making when you when you got hold of these fabrics? Were you did you make clothes? Did you make cushions? Did you what did you make? Yes,
1: because I'd look at magazines, um, and I would try and make what I saw. But then, if I went shopping with my mother in Southampton, nobody else was wearing anything like that. Because actually, you know, when you look at yeah. magazines, it it doesn't it didn't there any resemblance to what was going on in the high street then? So you were probably ahead of your time even then. Well, I, <laughs> I think I did my best.
0: <laughs> so, do you think your parents had a huge influence on on you and how and your career? Because um, aeroplane designer (laughs) to the BBC I'm just you know fascinated yeah well actually having said that my
1: father did feel he got really fed up with design because he said by the time anything was done it was almost obsolete so he moved away from aircraft and then had uh, then he he had this most fabulous espresso coffee bar in Southampton called the Macambo which was the first espresso coffee bar so it was a very cool dude
0: place of course, so, so you're following in his footsteps because you're a rule-breaker, I suspect.
1: Yeah, he loved jazz and he was a bit of a dude. Oh, um, so he, he uh, I guess he was before his time because most people only have one career. He had
0: several. Well, like all our children are going to have yes, several. Yes, exactly. Things have changed so much, haven't <laughs> they? Charm 2 is... Um, two cherries on a on a single stem and I just see these as so tactile and um, so I see them on again probably yellow gold, possibly agate cherries, carved agate three-dimensional cherries, better still would be rubies I think, really cabochon rubies, I think they would be particularly gorgeous and delicious. I always want to put jewellery in my mouth, so actually these cherries are perfect. (laughs) Um, And then I think it should have a kind of moving leaf um, with perhaps some diamonds down the spine. That's how I see them. But I was a bit surprised of cherries. Tell me about cherries. Why? <laughs> I
1: love the idea of the falling leaves. I think that's so beautiful. And, and very often in the designs that we do with textiles, there'll be a falling leaf or or just a leaf that you almost see after the rain. So it's got that shiny sort of dewy piece about it. And um, the, I, I, I really thought about this because I wanted to, to my first sort of Um, finding Tim and the first relationship that we had. Um, Lynn Chadwick is a, a sculptor and he very kindly said that we could go down and borrow his little cottage in the south of France. But we had one chore that we had to do every day and the little shepherd's cottage actually was enshrouded by a great big cherry tree and it had the terrace and one of his sculptures which was a big sort of table that looked like a crocodile on the terrace and the one thing that we had to do every day was to pick up the cherries and put them in brandy in a kilner jar (laughs) and turn the kilner jar every day, that was our chore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely oh god how therapeutic and wonderfully slow it was Um. and
1: then he what they would do is they'd they'd take the cherries and then bring them back he lived in Gloucestershire and on Christmas day uh, instead of Christmas pudding they would have their cherries in brandy with ice cream and then think about that terrace in the south of France and all the sun and and all the beauty there and so um Tim and I would motor down in um, and we went in my little. I had a little de which is their little. Was
0: it green? It was orange. <laughs> we used to play that game when, when the children see a duchave in green, they have to pinch each other. Oh, do they? Yeah, so I want to know whether it was green. <laughs> it was yeah.
1: orange with a running duck on the back. And Tim used to call it my garden shed on wheels.
0: But, <laughs> but things have changed so much. Because for me, that really evokes this, as I said, this kind of sense of a different rhythm to life, kind of a much slower, more relaxed, rather than this kind of manic existence we all seem to have now do you think back fondly on that
1: I do and it's so true I I had to think about so little it was such a special time really and not a care in the world yeah not a care in the world
0: but I mean you and I share um working with our husbands so We've just got to talk about that because I'm (laughs) dying to know. Um, How is it for you working with your husband? (laughs) And and how many years is it?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't ever remember Tim asking me to work with him. And in fact, um, I hardly remember him even asking me to marry him. And Tim was moving into this new flat which had a basement. And um, I was there with he and the builder And, you know, our relationship was very up and down. And Tim said, well, I think I'm going to need the cat flap in the door. And the builder turned to him and said, yeah, but you haven't got a cat. And I thought, well, I do. Maybe, maybe there is a chance. There's hoping. Yes, he's hoping. But that's so typical of Tim because he'll never say anything directly. It's like an indirect Feel all the time, and it was the same when um, the first hotel that we did was Dorset Square, and um, he never actually asked me to get involved. But I realised that I had married someone who just never stopped working. So unless I joined in and did something, I would never see him. And how's it been?
0: <laughs> I got to ask. Well, I can't, absolutely. <laughs> when we
1: started off, it was quite tricky because, of course, when you're doing a large project. Um, you get obsessed by it and it is your life and your world. And so uh, even things like how you place uh, a piece of furniture in a room or what's going to happen within it uh, takes on very important proportions. And so we were all, we
0: were, we did have
1: terrible fights, actually. Uh, I did.
0: <laughs> yes, we did. Have you found ways to sort that out now?
1: I always say <laughs> we were like... We're now like two sumo wrestlers. We kind of circle one (laughs) another and come in for the kill at the
0: right time. (laughs) But when you don't agree on something, Mm. because when when we don't agree on something, we kind of had a rule that we don't do it, um, mostly. Mostly. (laughs) But if you don't agree, how do you navigate that?
1: I think that as women, we often take things very personally mm. and I try not to. I try and and, um, and and say, OK, I'll give up on that one, but I'm certainly going to come in and, and not give up on something else. The funny thing is that work-wise, we do actually probably get on extremely well. We just arrive
0: quite differently at the same place. Oh, so we're exactly the same. So we will pretty much always arrive at the same place but my goodness it's from different angles yes um and it's, it's quite fun though isn't it <laughs> but do you do, do you, how do you divide your roles out of interest do you i mean because uh, you're... tim is very
1: much the money person he's right. that he's very okay. I, he's the leader he finds the properties he finds the, the 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 project um and then we all fall along in the wake actually and um I I then just get on with what I have to do and I don't deviate from my course. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to get there.
0: I noticed you said we all, which brings me quite neatly onto your third charm, which is three monkeys. Um, You're going to tell me about your three monkeys in a minute. But I, I, um, I see those three monkeys as, you know, having lots of fun and three individual three-dimensional monkeys hanging probably from a branch all hanging at slightly different heights playing with each other one in yellow gold one in in white gold with black rhodium um, but all very much with kind of micro pavé diamonds as their fur I guess and I'd seen their tummies I think their tummies be gorgeous in carved ebony something like that And maybe just on the end of their feet, they might have a little um, sapphire briolet or something, just just for movement, but their legs will all wobble. Um, (laughs) um, So it should be really fun. But tell me about your three monkeys.
1: (laughs) Well, they're my three children. And we've got three little girls, Tiffany, Willow and Minnie. And um, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. But they are my three little monkeys And um, they're just full of fun and mischief. They always were, the three of them, going round together. And we did dress them all the same. Uh, So when we had Christmas cards and when they were sitting on a wall, there'd be sort of tall little one and then that little cheeky one at the bottom, Minnie. (laughs) What's the age age difference? Well, there are four and a half years between them all. So they all came in a a sort of rush, really. Yes. and uh, racing around together and they are all for one and one for all uh, they they would squabble and fight and everything else like this but they my, my eldest daughter is slightly disabled and I know that in any situation they would be right there for her mm. and um and, you know, they're a little, they're a little, if you can't, if you haven't got your family looking after
0: you, who do you Yeah, no, Absolutely. And yeah. it's such, I'm an only child, so when I had four children, I'm like, oh, this is quite weird. Actually, I'm really expecting everybody to look out for each other, but it's such a lovely, such a lovely thing. Because you said you have two brothers? Right? I've got two brothers, right, yes. So, you
1: know, yeah. So. so I didn't have girls around me. I didn't have sisters. So... Um, I think that's why I'm a tomboy and why I love being with men. But actually to have my three little girls and they would always laugh at boys if they were coming along throwing stones and being <laughs> sort of throwing oars into a swimming pool or something like that. They used to think it was really funny. And they can do things like play uh, America's Next Top Model, um, you know, without <laughs> without a boy saying, you can't do that. Whereas I couldn't do that. I had to climb trees and play cricket yeah, and um, generally just act like a boy.
0: <laughs> of course. Am I right in that two of them work for you
1: yes Willow and Minnie both work for me Tiffy far too sensible she's in the countryside
0: (laughs) so so how does that so have they worked for you for a long time
1: yes yes well Willow um, uh, went to Cambridge and she uh, got an architectural degree and then Minnie went to Leeds and she got a degree in graphic design so Willow is very architectural and um, fantastic at doing things in 3D. She can sort of look around things and great at doing repeats um, and good at furniture design. And Minnie is just colour and full of masses of ideas. So that when she comes with schemes, I've got four schemes for four rooms, but actually she's put it all in one.
0: So <laughs> so do you, uh, so. How do you deal with that? So so because that must be quite difficult as a mother to say no no. I'm not sure about that. I'm fascinated to know how that works. Is it stressful? Do they always say, yes, mummy? No, they don't. <laughs> they need
1: space. Uh, uh, for the two of them, they work on different floors for a start, so they're not in the same room. They're very, they're, they're, Their minds work quite differently. And uh, I just feel I'm so lucky to actually have them working for me because you're watching
0: them grow What's what's your kind of vision for Ferndale as we, uh, you know, for for the for the girls, I guess. I mean, mm. would you like them to take it over?
1: How yes. do yes, you... yes, I would. I mean, it was never we were never going to build up our hotels to sell i think lots of people do things and they they have in the long term that they're going to sell out and go and live on a desert island well i've always known that would be so miserable i'd hate not doing things i love to work i love what i do and um so we've always just had in the back of our mind that it would be passed on i don't know i mean the fact is that you can't plan that far ahead you've really just got to Enjoy for the moment yeah. that it's going well and that there's that saying you're always as happy as your unhappiest child so and true. that is so That's true so true mm, so I'm touching wood at the moment because yeah, they all seem to too. be in a good place <laughs>
0: <laughs> so your fourth charm is a mannequin um, which is obviously the logo for the Ferndale Hotels and um, I I um I'd love to know how you how you might have seen this, but I see it. Um, Funny enough, I wasn't going to put it on a stand mainly because it won't be very practical as a charm. But part of me wants to put it on the stand because I want it to turn and do what a mannequin is is designed to do. But um, I think we would make it. Um, I was thinking it'd be so gorgeous in malachite because malachite has. Well, it, it just has all those beautiful um, structures of the stone through it. And um, so there's something about that. Just very simple and, and, and on, the, on the base to put Ferndale. Um, so i would kind of seen it like that. But I'm fascinated why it is the logo.
1: Well, um, within a room, you could, uh, you could spend an absolute fortune... And art is is sort of like a piece of string, it can just go on and on and on. And we actually thought that by putting a mannequin into every room, it's, it's a, a shape that is actually useful, too. It has a function. So if you go into the room, you see people have hung their hat over the top of it, put their jacket around it. And we actually, in some of the, uh, the top rooms, we just have a little tiny mannequin where you can actually hang your jewellery around it. Oh,
0: that's a great. Mm, I love the it. idea of that.
1: that. Then we we actually made a mannequin which which was made of perspex where it had a light inside it so that for a child in a room who just wanted to have a little glow by the bed, we, we had the mannequin. And at Haymarket, we 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 like sort of surreal look. So we had uh, an eye and a lip in, in one of them. Um, so we we've had really a lot of fun with the mannequins. But the shape within the room, I didn't want a, a sort of squadgy body. So this is more <laughs> of a this is more of an Edwardian or Victorian body. So it's got a lovely bust. It's got it's got a, a good very small waist and a it waist. It's got a very small waist. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. God, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that dream figure. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it is so, for me, it's very representative of the hotels. But just tell me, because you have been credited with absolutely making, changing the face of hotels and making boutique hotels, what we all now know as boutique hotels, but actually... How, how many years ago did you, did you start? Did we start? Yeah. Well, the first one we opened uh, was, was
1: uh, Dorset Square Hotel, yeah. and that was in 85. So, of course, we started in 83, which is when we got married, 83.
0: Oh, God, was
1: Yeah, it? yeah. And oh, um, I know. You took, took just on a lot in
0: 83, didn't you? D- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> never never <laughs> do things by heart. You know, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was the vision for the first hotel?
1: Um, We'd never enjoyed staying in a a sort of cellophane packed hotel and I had awful memories of going to sort of weddings with my parents in hotels and interminably long meals in really boring sort of ballrooms and we wanted to create... Uh, a much more a much more fun vision actually it was that there were boutique hotels because we could only really uh, uh dorset square hotel which was the first one had 37 rooms and it was never taken seriously by large hoteliers or by you know british airways or anybody they all thought a, it wouldn't pay, and B, can't even be bothered to even talk about it. And I remember we had um, Anton Moserman, who came down to have a look at the uh, kitchen in the basement. Somebody said they knew him, and, and uh, so he came down and looked at this kitchen that had sort of water dripping from five stories down into it, and he said, you will never cook a meal in this kitchen.
0: Oh, <laughs> I used to supply fish, actually, in my, in my Did you? Uh, first life. How fabulous. Um, but, mm. I mean, that was quite quite a risk to open a 37-bedroom hotel. That's quite... I was like, gosh... We didn't think it was, We just, because that's the
1: arrogance of youth. Yeah. <laughs> you just go ahead and do it. And when he said, you'll never cook a meal in this, we thought, oh, silly old thing. Yeah. Of course we will. And I to give him his due, he did come up later on and say, well, well done. You know, you kind of made it work. But
0: tell me a bit about your approach for for those people that haven't been... ...into one of your gorgeous hotels, what do you want people to feel when they come in? I
1: really like people, and I love them to feel comfortable. And I would never have anything in a hotel that I wouldn't have in my own home. And that's all about... uh, You have to use all your senses when you're creating a hotel... Um, and that includes taste and smell and touch and feel. But feel is so important and I just hate fabrics that feel prickly and tickly and I think it must be the same with jewellery. You want it to feel soft on the skin, the way it picks up your warmth when you wear it and all those things are just so important and I just felt that lots of hotels before we came along wanted to have design that had what I would call high heeled shoes which date or which is rather worried about offending someone and there's something actually almost forgettable about really good taste sometimes (laughs) you should have a bit of bad taste you should just go for it and uh, I think people then appreciate
0: it but it has to come from your soul you have to really mean it did you say you didn't want to sit on a fabric uh, you know something about being in the nude. You need to, what yes, was, what yes. was it?
1: I, do, I don't want to sit on any fabric that I wouldn't want to sit That's on in it. the nude. I just thought, <laughs> that
0: absolutely sums it up to me. That's so evocative of comfort. And I was like, yeah, I get that 100%. Um, but you're right, it, it, is, it is like jewellery because actually, weirdly, people think jewellery is just about what it looks like, but it so isn't. It's so about... How it feels? Is the earring too heavy? Does it make a funny noise when you move? I mean, it's all of those things. Mm. So the attention to detail in absolutely everything is just, you know, in this room is just heaven.
1: Attention to detail. You've got it. The devil is in the detail and so much so with jewellery. I mean, just that it's so refined. It's so... It's so exquisite Um, when you
0: get it right. And just having something so miniature and as perfect Mm. as you can get it is just a huge um, pleasure. I want to ask you um, if there are any, because you clearly have taken risks, but are there any risks that you wish you'd never taken?
1: (laughs) Do you know, it's never the end story. Mm. I often think that, okay, it's not exactly as we planned, but there's... I think you have to think on your feet, and especially with um, design, uh, you can you can plan a room, and then suddenly you put it in the room, and it doesn't look right. And at that point, you just have to say, "Okay, we're changing it. This might look great there." And and then you 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 play, um, and and sometimes that the is is better than your original idea. That's
0: interesting. And just from that kind of art and the furniture because there's so many just amazing textures and colours and do you just see something that you love and think I must have that or how does it how does it kind of work on a really practical I really I love I love process I'm just really interested Mm
1: -hmm. having not
0: trained as a designer myself I've become very interested in kind of what the process is
1: there are certain no I know what I like immediately I see it and uh, it's quite true. If you're putting a hotel together, when when you open the doors for the hotel, it has to look as if it's always been there, yeah. and it has to feel comfortable, and it has to have a charm that it means that people who aren't even interested in their surroundings suddenly ask questions. Like a businessman mm-hmm. who's very tired will say, "Oh, that's that's interesting. How do you do that? How do you make that? This is a
0: great painting." So, so is there a kind of repository somewhere where you uh, where you have artifacts that you've bought and then kind of reimagine. Yes I mean when
1: uh, when we were doing the Crosby Street Hotel for example we filled up two warehouses in Jamaica Queens and um, yeah I had to get it all out then but I know exactly what everything is where everything is everything is catalogued um, and uh, everything just has to go in place you have to be extremely methodical.
0: Oh My goodness, I, I, I there's no way I could. If my husband was here, he said, Well, you definitely can. methodical's not really part of my. <laughs> 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 I wish I was, but it wasn't that. Actually, you were talking about the Crosby Hotel. Let's talk about the Crosby Hotel because mm. you, your next charm um, is called Crosby the Cat. Yes. Um, I found this the weirdly the most difficult charm to do mainly because when I looked it up and um, and I saw the amazing Batero sculpture of the cat. Well the first picture I saw was with all those floral uh, decorations on top, so it kind of slightly confused me. But anyway <laughs> <Quite
1: weird. Yes. laughs> it
0: completely threw me. <laughs> so actually I visualised it with the with the floral decoration, but but actually in retrospect I think I would just create a little miniature probably I think probably carved in onyx, mm-hmm. a little miniature version of the Gorgeous Botero cat. Talk me through uh, Crosby the Cat.
1: I will. <laughs> well, Crosby the Cat came with the Crosby Street Hotel, which is our first hotel that we built in New York. And we had actually met Fernando Botero, who is a Colombian uh, sculptor, and he had
0: this magnificent cat. New York, that was, that was as you said, um, it is a bit of a, a Bit of a graveyard for English businesses it has been. Mm. So that was incredibly brave thing to do. Why did you suddenly go across the pond to New York? Well,, to, it's Tim. He just wanted to
1: do New York. It was I think it must have been something that deep in his mind, he decided that this is what we were doing, and come what way we may we were going to succeed so so what was the most challenging part of of that um the most challenging part well, I was just very nervous about it, and I remember talking to my yoga teacher saying. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> a and bit she was, like, oh, Yes, exactly. yes. Oh, man. And I'm trying to do all these strange poses, you know, and, and sort of calming me down as I was thinking this is just the pits. And, um, you know, it's just like doing things step by step. Suddenly, if you just take one step at a time, And just the process continues and suddenly you're there and you think to yourself, "How?" I mean, when I walk around it now, I think, how on earth did we do it?
0: (laughs) I I bet you did. I mean, Mm. a huge project. I mean, when you're doing a huge project like that, how do you switch off and relax? Because that's hard in this world that's, you know, so fast Mm. and so connected
1: well, I think, I think compartmentalising your life is, is quite important. And you know that the best thing for us is to go down to the countryside. I love being in London and I love being in the city. But at the weekends, uh, even if it's 10 or 11 at, at night, I just pile into the car. And when the children were tiny, uh, tiny, I just plonk them in the back. And when you go to the New Forest, when you go over the cattle grid... You know, because that mm, keeps yes. all the ponies in. You suddenly hear the cattle grig and it goes... And as soon as I'm over that, I just feel as if my shoulders have gone down about two or three inches. Oh. If I can just wake up on a Saturday morning seeing the greenery and and taking the dogs for a walk, then... I just feel happy, and
0: are you near the sea?
1: (laughs) Yes, yeah. We overlook a river. Um, It's not a wonderful house by any stretch of the imagination, but the river view is lovely. It's just water, isn't
0: it? Something about water that is so calming, (laughs) so calming. So let's talk about your your next charm, which is a cricket bat. I was really excited about the cricket bat because I. Actually, one of the very first uh, designs I ever did when, when we started Links of London was a cricket bat and ball on the other side. They were cufflinks. So I was like, oh, good. But the idea of making this cricket bat in gorgeous gold, yellow gold, I think, on the back and um, micropavis set diamonds on the front in white and uh, and again, a ruby cricket ball sitting at the bottom of the bat. Um, So I was just very excited about that because I think it'll be absolutely gorgeous. But why why did you choose a cricket bat? Well, the site of the
1: first our first hotel was Dorset Square Hotel, and uh, Dorset Square was the site of the first Lord's cricket ground. So of course we had a cricketing theme that went throughout. So when you open the door, the balls are the door handles, and. Oh, there, and then we, we just favorite, famous cricketers, and then we, we have in lights famous cricketing sayings, which is down in the restaurant, and it was just such a wonderful fun thing to do. Well, I love
0: the fact that it's very, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Is that your approach? Do you think to life generally? Gosh, I hope so. But there is something about cricket that
1: is just so particularly English. And and there is a, there is a story actually behind it as well, because when uh, Minnie's real name is Araminta Marigold, my third daughter, and it took us ages to come up with the name. And so you have to register the name of your child within a few days. So... Almost on the final day, Tim went to the Marlebone uh, Registry Office and, and filed Aram into Marigold. And so the, the registrar there was Barbadian. And she said, well, I've never heard of that name before. And um, anyway, the thing is that they they got into dialogue and we had staying at that time some of the old cricketers, I think it was Wes Hall and, and uh, someone called Griffiths, who was a great big guy who was the most fabulous bowler. And he said, well, if if you're Barbadian, you probably like cricket. So why not come across with me? So instead of just registering the name, he came back with the registrar. That is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) To the hotel, to the Dorset Square Hotel bar. And they happened to be down there. And um, so Tim said he left her actually in the bar. And then he got a letter from her a couple of weeks later saying that her daughter was expecting a baby. And if it was a girl, they were going to call it Araminta.
0: (laughs) That's such a brilliant. Does history relate whether it was a girl? (laughs) I know. That's the last we heard. But it was such a sweet. I'd forgotten about that. That's such a great story. I love that story. So onto your last charm which I think is is something that we we both love which is dogs and it's called Moon Dog and in fact I I had to kind of look it up because I was like Moon Dog I love I just love the name but when I kind of did look it up I realized that you've designed fabrics around uh, this Moon Dog and in fact when I looked it up it was quite I was like oh that's quite difficult to do as a charm mainly because the image is this lovely dog looking through a telescope towards the moon. But I think, I think we need to put it on a disc, on a circular disc, and so have it kind of semi 3 dimensional. It'll be two-dimensional on top of this disc. Um, and, and the telescope, I think, should all be gorgeous diamonds with black rhodium. So it kind of feels like you're going to be looking at a nighttime sky. Um, And I'm interested to know what materials you would make the dog in.
1: Gosh, that's so difficult, isn't it? Mm. Moon dog is, um, it's a dog at night looking through a telescope and it's actually a, a textile, it's a fabric as it moves horizontally across the fabric you've got the new moon the full moon and the old moon and then the dog who's busy looking up and it was actually about one of our um cavalier king charles button i i always said to nanny susan we've still got nanny susan (laughs) that we always say call him her button moon so it was moon dog um, but Moondog is, is Nanny Susan. Nanny Susan I- has been <laughs> with us for 30 years and she was nanny, then she was horse box driver. Okay. Now she's nanny to the dogs, and I dare say any minute she'll be nanny to Tim and I. <laughs> <laughs> there, so that is Moondog. And uh, gosh, to make a piece of jewellery out of Moondog would be quite hard. I mean, designing the fabrics and things, um, it's quite difficult sometimes because I love the lyrical, but it can't be childish. It has to always have that sophistication and be interesting for adults. And and that's why folk art is so interesting too, because that fulfills that notion as well. Um, but it's not, it's not getting too too folky it it it, it, there's a fine line all the time and moon dog i think is just one that captures the imagination
0: so kit we've been through all of your um your life in seven charms as you know um i as a thank you i'm going to make you one of your charms
1: do you know it's just so how can i i mean i keep thinking oh i'll do the cricket bat no i'll do the mannequin (laughs) no one to to the monkeys i mean it's so hard because actually looking at your drawings they all look so
0: fabulous well we can we can discuss a bit more but just the principle
1: (laughs) the principle of it all Um, i think probably i'll have to have the mannequin okay i think because of of the mannequin and the logo and everything else for and the
0: woman shape yeah and, and the woman shape woman. I I think I'd, I'd probably go for that oh how exciting well I'm, I'm definitely going to do that for you but oh, my last goodness. question is mm. when you're not around anymore and somebody were to find this your seven charms or found this drawing um, what what would you what would you want them to think about your life how would they how would you want them to kind of what would be the legacy of you, if you like?
1: Well, you know, there is an element of joy throughout the whole thing. Um, it's just, I mean, you could see that there are so many different things going on in my life. And, yeah. I mean, it's just that, that the capacity to be doing more than one thing at a time. And oh. that's what I really love, to have the opportunity. And... I've arrived at the stage where I don't want to say no to anything.
0: Oh, that's so that's so wonderful. That's <laughs> a, my mother, uh, when I was growing up, actually no was a word I was absolutely not allowed to to use in my. Really, she, she would always say, you can say anything, but you can't say no. And I think it's one of those things that has really carried me forwards in my because, particularly in jewelry, where people would say. And they can't do that because it doesn't work, or this or that. I'm like, okay, that's like red rag to a bull. I'm, like, I'm going to do, do it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, thank you so much. I've so enjoyed talking to you. Oh, and I've uh, loved oh, it too. Yeah, it's been it's brilliant. brilliant. Fabulous. <laughs> thank you. Great pleasure. That's so sweet. I'd love to have met your mum. Oh yeah, my mum was awesome. <laughs> she must have
1: been
0: totally awesome. Yeah, she was. Thank you so much for listening to My Life in Seven Charms with me, Anoushka Dukas. Please do like, review and subscribe to hear our latest episodes. Thank you to Fairly Media for our audio production.